0: I'm delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have got a wondrous item to behold. If you uh, take a look at this, uh, yes, you can hold it. Uh, Look into it. It is a handheld mirror. It's silver plated with gold, quite ornate, Something from possibly the late 1800s, maybe even the early 1900s. But the curious thing is, if you look into this handheld mirror, you will be looking at yourself. But yes, yes, I see you notice right now. It's not quite yourself. It almost looks as if you are looking at, maybe not you, but a malformed doppelganger. It's you, but something's off. Things aren't quite right. And that leads us into a curious topic for today's episode of Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at hatching. For anyone who follows Oz Vodkins on Facebook, you know I have been waiting for this movie to come out for quite some time. I knew it was going to be premiering at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. There was talk of a limited theatrical release late last month, and and it did get a limited theatrical release here in the United States. Unfortunately, uh, there were no theaters around where I live that were showing this movie, and I I was quite bummed about that Uh, but I'm like okay as soon as it comes out uh, video on demand I am renting this and I am watching it and of course it didn't take long I believe it was released to streaming here like a couple days ago. I finally got to watch Hatching and wow, was I not disappointed because this movie was everything that the trailer made it out to be. It was bizarre and sometimes frightening and creepy and disgusting disgusting, uh, with the creature effects, and just a, a wonderful movie. And it was one of those, you know, I sometimes, with foreign films, uh, reading subtitles, I feel like sometimes I'm paying a little more attention to the subtitles and not so much the movie. Uh, I, I really didn't have that problem with this movie. Uh, I really felt that the dialogue was uh, deliberate enough and spaced out enough that, you know, I could watch the movie and kind of take it all in and drink in all the visuals and really not miss much dialogue at all. There were a couple times where maybe I missed something, rewound a little bit and Bob's your uncle. I, I was back on t- on track, but this was such a wonderful film. And, and for a, a foreign film to really show... Uh, directors in the United States, how to do a movie like this. It it was just fantastic. Uh, Now, I'm putting the cart before the horse. I'm telling you how I liked it so much uh, without even talking about it. So we're going to talk about this movie. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery, but there are going to be spoils in this. uh, So, you know, from here on out, uh, there are here's your spoiler warning. If you want to watch this and you don't want to have anything spoiled for you, go watch it. It's like $5.99 on Amazon Prime. You can rent it and enjoy it and then come back and listen. Uh, If you've watched this and you want to hear my take on it, then uh, we're going to plow ahead. And if you don't care about spoilers, I'm like that. You know, I'll still watch it. it. If it's a good movie, having it spoiled is not going to ruin the experience for me. But this movie starts out with this family. Uh, We really don't know a lot about the mother and father as far as their names. They're just referred to as mother and father in this. Uh, But you've got Mother who is a video blogger. And she is one of these people that kind of puts forth that fake social media perfect life persona blog's called lovely everyday life and and this mother kind of is constantly filming her kids filming her family uh filming herself uh in these perfect scenarios where she can post this on on social media and make everyone think that she just lives this idyllic life uh this perfect life where everyone's happy and everything is just uh just wonderful You've got the mother, you've got the father, you've got the main character in this, Tina. She's about a 12-year-old girl who, uh, she's a gymnast and again, just kind of is portrayed as this perfect daughter. There's the younger brother who is kind of played as the little rascally scamp who's, you know, running around being a little boy. And they're just like presented as this perfect family. And we find out, like I said very quick, that this family is far from perfect. And that is all spearheaded by this uh, controlling mother who wants to put forth this idea and this image and this brand that they're the perfect family and everybody does everything perfectly. Tina is the perfect gymnast and she's going to win a championship uh, when she doesn't really seem to be in it, into it at all and she's not that great at it. <laughs> The first scene really kind of sets the table is they're all on the couch and she's filming them uh, with the selfie stick and just all being uh, happy. And we're all on the couch sitting together and giggling and and having a good time and everything's just wonderfully perfect. And then a bird flies into the into the living room or the sitting room, wherever they're at, and just wreaks havoc knocking over vases and breaking things and breaks the chandelier above them it comes crashing down into a table it really is kind of a metaphor for this bird coming into their lives and just wrecking things which will you'll you'll see where that's going later but Tina finally catches the bird she tosses a blanket over it and she's carrying the bird to her mother and she's got the bird in this blanket carrying it very lovingly very tenderly uh it's implied that this is a girl who's not been allowed to have a pet and she just wants something to give love to and get love in return because as we'll find out Uh, she's very much lacking in that, in this, you know, this picture-perfect family is devoid of a lot of things that families are and families need. But she takes the bird to her mother and asks if she should take it outside. The mother says, no, give it here. The mother grabs the bird wrapped in this blanket and snaps its neck. And that really... (laughs) That kind of sets the table for the type of family this is, for the type of mother this is, and for the type of daughter that Tina is this mother for all of her uh, frills and her pomp and her grand gestures of perfection uh, she is cold and she is cold-hearted and she's not afraid to do what she has to do to get what she wants get the outcome that she wants so we see Tina she takes this 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 dead bird uh, or seemingly dead bird to the uh, the compost bin because her mother wants her to uh, recycle even if it is uh, organic matter. But as she walks away, this bird moves. Uh, you get movement out of it. So you're you're pretty sure it should be dead. It had its neck snapped, but it's not quite dead. And then later in the night, Tina wakes up and she hears this god-awful bird screeching. And the sound design on this was really, really creepy because this bird screeching, at some points it sounded very bird-like. But At other points, it kind of built to almost, it almost felt like a human scream, uh, kind of mixed with a bird. It was just very uh, unsettling. And she follows the noise of this scream to the woods. She finds the bird there uh, in agony with this, this screaming squawk, and she bashes its brains in with a rock it's it it's very disturb it's a very disturbing almost dreamlike scenario i almost wondered if we were in a dream when i'm watching this because as she kills this bird this mist rolls in this very foreboding mist Rolls in behind her, which I, I suppose is a uh, an omen for the foreboding nature that this this whole story's going to take from here on out. But she also finds this egg in the nest with the bird. Uh, she takes it home. She's gonna she's gonna nurture it. She puts it under a teddy bear, and she's she just she's got something to care for. Uh, she's gonna take care of this egg, and surprisingly enough, as she cares for this egg it grows and grows and as you saw on the trailer you know this this egg gets huge and if that's not creepy enough you really get uh, moments where uh, you know her hands are are torn up blistered and raw uh, almost bleeding and she puts her hand on the egg and it kind of glows around it almost like it's it's taking in her 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 blood or her or her life energy whatever uh, before the egg hatches, Tina is upset. She's crying. You see tears dripping onto this giant egg, and then they suck into the egg. They absorb into the egg. So whatever is in there is bonding with her. It's connecting with her. It's it's identifying with her. And in in as we'll find out, maybe even on a, a DNA level. But this egg hatches. And the creature that comes out of it is just horrifying. And the look on the young actress that plays Tanya, Ciri Solalina, I believe I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that right probably not but wonderful young actress uh, she did a really good job with a lot on her plate with this and we'll kind of talk about that uh, a little later all that she had to go through but uh, the look of shocked terror on her face as this giant egg starts to hatch and the realization that yeah this thing has gotten big and it's been fun uh, you know keeping this egg warm but now all of a sudden something this big is coming out of this egg <laughs> and and the. Creep Creature that comes out, this bird-like humanoid creature that's got these creepy, spindly arms and these big, wide-set uh, these wide-set eyes and this. Beak with teeth in it, jagged row of teeth. Just it was so creepy and bizarre and unnerving. I mean, it, it, it partially had skin, but it had still had some feathers coming out. The creature design is just wonderful. And we'll talk about who's behind all that a little bit later. But this creature comes out, and of course, uh, sh- they're both scared of each other right away. But then sooner or later, this creature comes back and kind of imprints on Tinea. And Tina decides to, to care for this creature. But we don't have to wait long before we find out the horror aspect of this. Not just the creature, but the horror aspect of this is that this creature has imprinted on her. This creature is bonded with her. This creature has her in its DNA. And this creature can feel what she's feeling. If she gets hurt, it gets hurt. If she's feeling emotions, then... It's feeling those emotions and this creature doesn't have the uh, moral base or moral compass, the, the, idea of good and evil to keep it from acting on those impulses. And and that kind of plays into one of the themes of this. Of course, Tanya is a, a young 12-year-old girl. She's coming into puberty. Uh, it's very an emotional time. Uh, they kind of play off the idea of uh, <laughs> there's some blood in the bed. It's from the bird, but the father sees it and thinks she started her period. It, it really plays into the emotion of young girls at that age and going through the changes that they go through and the different varying emotions that they go through at that time as their you know their bodies are changing they're becoming young women uh there's a lot to unpack there if you like that sort of thing uh, there's a lot to unpack there in in that but uh, she's has these impulses, uh, you know, something makes her mad. The neighbor's dog is barking and keeping her awake at night. And she's probably thinking to herself, you never hear this, but oh, I'd love to kill that dog <laughs> or, or something to that effect. I, I, I wish that dog would shut up and, and you maybe think of some not very nice things about the dog. Well, you know, she wouldn't act on that, but this creature that's imprinted on her, this creature that feels those raw emotions does act on it. And we go through this movie with her living in constant fear of the fact that this creature that she's decided to care for is going to act on those impulses, uh, you know, that she can't control. You think you've got your life under control, like this This family. Uh, this family comes across as the idyllic family, perfect and doing all the right things, but under the surface, it's not a perfect family. People are like that. Uh, people think that they can keep their emotions in control, and you know, and I'm not going to think uh, bad thoughts about people. But then something happens, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "I'd like to strangle this person." And that's what Tina goes through with this creature, which is bad enough because she's got she's got a lot on her plate. That the Tina character is such a. Uh, a sad, sympathetic character because here she is, she's trying to live up to her mom's standards of perfection. Uh, Her mother was a skating champion before uh, she had some sort of injury and became a vlogger. And now she's pushed her daughter into gymnastics. Her daughter takes gymnastics class. She's going to, she's trying to, to win a spot on the team to go to the championships. But she's not really that good. She she works hard, but sometimes working hard just isn't good enough. You have to have talent and and or or maybe just that X factor. And she just doesn't have it. It's not that she's a bad gymnast, she's just a 12 year old kid in a gymnastics class who, you know, maybe sometimes can't pull off a an aerial or maybe can't stick a landing on the uneven bars. But her mother is there and in Ever so much the stage mom, uh, constantly pumping her up, telling her she's going to be a champion, she's going to win, and knowing full well that she's not. Tina, I mean, she—I I, think—in on some base level, she knows she's not that good, but she keeps trying for her mother, trying to win her mother's uh, affection. Uh, she she finds her mother's cheating with this guy named Taro, and. And she thinks she's got to hide this secret. The mother even tells her that she has a special friend and this, let's just keep this secret between us. And Tina feels like she's keeping something from her father. Here to find out the father knows. The father is very much complicit in it because he is whipped. He has an overbearing wife who does whatever she wants. He admires or at least convinces himself that he admires the fact that she knows what she wants and she gets it. She takes it. His performance, the actor's performance, Yanni Volonin is fantastic in this scene. He doesn't get much. But in this scene, he's sitting there telling his daughter it's okay. He understands. But you can see a quiver in his jaw that yeah, you know, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like that his wife's banging some other dude. But he convinces himself that it's ok because, you know, she's a strong woman. She knows what she wants. And I, I think she keeps him in a comfortable lifestyle. He gets to go buy guitars and he's really uninvolved with the family for the most part, uh, in any meaningful level. And there again, yet another parent. That is not giving this child what she needs in a loving household. There's a scene where the mother is talking to Tina about this guy, Taro, and how being with this t- guy, Taro, is so great. He's such a wonderful guy. Uh, she feels like she's loving, loving something for the first time in her life. And you could see the look of horror on Tina's face that this is the first time you've ever loved anything. This is a mother who has two kids and and a husband and it was just such a, a a very selfish thing for that mother to do to this child is tell her that she's she's never loved anything until this guy came along to her daughter who she should love more than anything, especially more than some guy and then the mother and Tina go spend a weekend at this guy, Tarot's place, and you find out the guy is a really good guy. he's a widower, he's got a a tiny baby, a baby girl. And the horror on Tina's face when she sees the mother around this baby, the mother acting like it's her child, and she walks into the baby's bedroom, and the baby's bedroom has the same gaudy floral wallpaper that her bedroom has. It has the same uh, dollhouse on a nightstand that her bedroom has, and The idea, the implication here is that the mother is essentially replacing her daughter with something new that maybe she can mold into a better gymnast or a better version of what she wanted uh, Tina to be. It's the, The poor kid in this is just tortured at every angle. And the funny thing is, she comes to this guy Taro's place and... He acts like more of a caring, loving parent to Tina than her actual parents because in their home, everything is uh, perfect and pink and florally, and it is pretty much uh, a fake plastic. Barbie doll home so the mother can put on airs and make things look perfect for her for her video blog. Uh, They go to this guy Taro's house and it's an old country house. It looks haunted when when they drive up to it but it's a fixer-upper but it's you know green countryside and everything inside is wood and natural tones and while You know everything's a little bit of disrepair. He's working on it, and it's but it's still very it's still more homey in its state of disrepair than their perfect uh, suburban home that is is made up to look as as fake as it really is. So it was, it was really kind of an interesting juxtaposition where, you know, her real home and a real family feels less like a real home and a real family than this guy, her mom's banging, who feels like more of a parent to her. And, and this home in disrepair feels more like a home to her than her real parents in a real home. And I know I haven't talked about the little brother, but the little brother in this is really kind of a little shithead. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted the creature to like bite his head off. Uh, not the neighbor's dog. Uh, the little brother needed to have his head bitten off. But uh, but it, it's you know it's in the typical fashion. Uh, the father and the little brother are constantly dressed the same. They have essentially the ha- same haircut. They have essentially the same glasses. So it's it's like the mother is trying to make the son a carbon copy of the father, trying to make her daughter a carbon copy of her, uh, because that's what she feels the the perfect family would look like now kind of back to the creature uh, this creature like I said uh, it comes out very bird like but humanoid spindly arms big large eyes big large bird head the beak with the teeth in it but as this creature kills and attacks and gets blood on its hands and blood in its beak uh, it starts to take on more of a human form you first get little strands. You see the, the the feathers molting off of it. You start to see strands of hair coming out, long blonde strands of hair coming out of its its head, and it begins to look more and more like tinea slowly. But more and more like her over time. Till we get to the point at the end where it is essentially a doppelganger of Tina. Not quite the same. It's got weird scarring on her cheeks where the bird beak is kind of sealing up. The bird beak's fallen off, but the big, large, gaping maw is kind of healing up. Her eyes aren't quite right, but she still has the claws and she still has that temperament to kill or maim or take out anything that displeases tinia and eventually that rage falls on the mother and this doppelganger attacks the mom there at the end and they they she finds out that uh, and, and Tina eventually explains what happened she found this this egg hatched this thing and it came out i, I like though that they don't really explain how this happened why this happened they just ex- she explains what happens and Okay, we're gonna deal with that. Uh, there's no like expert that they call upon that gives them an explanation for this. Uh, it, it felt very in the moment, uh, which I which I liked and appreciated that. It left the mystery of how how in the hell this this creature came about. No one knows. We will never know, which I'm okay with that. Sometimes that's okay. And Tinya explains to her mom what happened. They go hunting uh, through the house for this creature. and once they have it cornered, Tinia has a change of heart. She hatched this thing. This is her responsibility. And, and it kind of plays off uh, her her feelings. Her mother birthed her. And yet her mother just has no care for her. Her mother treats her like a prop for her vlog videos. And Tinya has the maternal instincts to realize that, hey, you know what? This is my responsibility. I don't want to kill it. But the mother, being what she is, goes to stab the the creature and Tina jumps in the way and gets stabbed in the heart. And as she falls down, she falls on top of the creature and blood comes from her mouth and into the creature's body. open into the creature's mouth, and the creature drinks in her blood and makes the final transformation into a copy of tinia and she gets up and she says the word uh, broken but she says the word mother cut to black roll the credits uh it was just a a startling end to a startling movie and and i liked i liked what the ending kind of represented uh because the whole the whole idea i think and I'm i'm just guessing here is that this creature is kind of a metaphor for all those pent-up emotions that, that a young girl like Tina has. Those pent-up emotions and that, that anger that wells up in you know young girls or, or even young kids in general uh, once they reach that age of puberty and their bodies are changing and, and their emotions can sometimes seem out of control. Uh, the creature was a metaphor for that. Tina was this innocent girl who just wanted to love and be loved in return, as the song says. And her mother was slowly, figuratively, slowly killing her by just starving her for love, starving her for real attention. Her mother heaped attention on her, but it was all negative. It was all uh, in glorification of her own self, her own persona, her own podcast or or blog or whatever it is. And in the end, she quite literally killed her daughter. She killed off the innocent version of her daughter. And now all that's left is this violent, over-emotional, full-of-rage version of her daughter and you know that's a huge metaphor for parenthood in general but i think it it just works so well with this movie and and how they portrayed it and it's never spelled out for you but it's all right there laid out for you right in front of you and like i said that's what i loved about this movie because there was just such so much subtext about like i said you know puberty and emotions of of young girls and, and young kids in general there were other themes in there as well of course uh to, to feed this creature, Tanya had to eat things and throw it up like a mother bird would uh, regurgitate, uh, you know, food into their baby's mouth. She would, she would have to eat things and and throw it up into a bowl. So this, this creature could eat. And so, you know, there was obviously themes of bulimia there, you know, especially in young girls, it's a, a huge problem. So they touched on themes there, but like I said, just that that need for solid parenting and and real love and real connection uh, was just so prevalent. And how when kids are starved of that, they'll look for it anywhere. And if they still don't get it, if their innocence is smothered and snuffed out by a parent that just doesn't give a shit about anything but themselves, you see what the end results are going to be: a child that is gonna bite the neighbor's dog's head off now the look of this movie was just fantastic uh i i loved it because like i said earlier you know you had this home this suburban you know paradise where everything just looked perfect too perfect um, it just was all uh, pinks and pastels and floral wallpapers and very, I, like I said, I've said this before, idyllic. They really did a good job of playing up this this home as this uh, quote unquote picture perfect. Home home and they did a really good job with the look of that everything kind of had a sheen and a luster about it uh, when they go to Taro's uh, farmhouse everything was natural and earthy and and dirty but just it, it was warm and inviting whereas the the suburban home was just so it's like one of those one of those homes you go into and there's like the sitting room that you're not even really allowed to sit in. Because it's got the, the nice little Davenport. It's got all the nice furniture and lamps. And uh, grandma's not letting you touch anything. Get your damn dirty hands off my figurines. It's a home, but it's not a home. Whereas the farmhouse, just it was very rustic and earthy and homey. Uh, I, I love the look of the, the one forest scene. was creepy and eerie with the trees and that fog rolling in. And I've got to talk about the creature design. My God, this was cool. Uh, of course, the creature design was headed by Gustav Hogan, who, if you're not familiar with him, he has done like animatronic puppets for just about everything. Star Wars, uh, he did the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, 2010's Clash of the Titans, he's done Prometheus... Tons of other Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Just uh, the list goes on and on. The guy has uh, Bonavides uh, coming out the wazoo. And he was the, the lead animatronic designer on this creature. And the creature design on this was creepy and odd. It just... Felt like dark crystal meets labyrinth in in some of the like the spindly limbs and the big uh, head with the bulbous eyes and the beak. It just was really creepy and bizarre. And as this creature made the transformation from this animatronic puppet into a version of Tinia where it was more of the actress with special effects makeup and the special effects artist on this, uh, Connor O'Sullivan, uh, who's done tons of work, X-Men First Class, Game of Thrones, Aliens, Saving Private Ryan. This guy has done work on some, some of the biggest movies and TV series around. Uh, He did a spectacular job with the, with the design on the face as this bird head is, kind of slowly healing into a human head. Uh, it was disgusting and gross. And there were some, some bits, uh, I mean, there was a lot of practical. There were some bits that looked a little CG, like CG work, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you, you could barely tell it was CG. It wasn't horrible CG. They, any CG they did on this, they used sparingly. And for the most part, they used practical effects and puppetry and makeup, which was a you know i'm always uh one for practical over cg any day of the week i would rather have a crappy practical than crappy cg any day of the any day of the year but they just did such a spectacular job between the the puppetry and the makeup effects on this on this movie that it just really amped up all the the creepiness and the gore and the disgusting uh, feeling the unearthly feeling of this creature that really kind of made you kind of just uh, tense up at, at times cuz you just didn't know what to make of this thing it was it was some pretty unique stuff too uh i can't think of anything right offhand uh, at least recently that I've seen on the screen that has been this uh, really weird and bizarre and like I said a a little bit unnerving so hats off to the special effects the the animatronic puppet design and the and the makeup effects on this movie and hats off to the young actress Siri Solalina hopefully I'm pronouncing that right she plays Tina and the, the humanoid version of the creature, which she calls Allie, um, she did a spectacular job in this movie, uh, not even just from an acting standpoint, from but from a, a physical acting standpoint, because she had to do a lot of work as the creature, the Allie creature, where she kind of contorts her body. And you can tell this this young actress does have a gymnastics background because she's, she's very flexible and they have a scene where she's kind of stretching and doing these gymnastics things at the beginning and she's kind of contorting herself uh, so it, she has to have some sort of gymnastics background but that really helped because as the creature as this humanoid version of the creature uh, she had to do things where she would kind of contort her shoulders and her spine and uh, I'm trying to do it as I talk here in, Everything on me is cracking. <laughs> I'm not built for that. But uh, just from a physical acting standpoint, uh, she had to do some amazing things uh, that really helped differentiate. You felt like these were two separate characters. Uh, you had Tanya, who was who was quiet and reserved and very still. You had this this creature that was always contorting and down on all fours and and twisting its head and acting in this this otherworldly way that it really felt. I mean, she did a good job as an actress, really differentiating between the two versions of herself, uh, which I thought was, was spectacular. And like I said, she did a really good acting job as well. You know, I didn't understand the language she was speaking. I could only tell what she was saying through subtitles. But from a delivery standpoint, uh, there were some scenes where uh, just the emotion she had to go through terror, sadness, fear, anger. Uh, she just emoted all those things so well. And, and sometimes not, you know, with kid actors, it's, it's tough because sometimes they can just overdo it a little bit or not do it enough. There were some times where it was so, the, the acting was so subtle. The sadness and the realization of the horrible things her mother's saying about never loving anything until she met this guy. It was just so subtle, but it was but it was powerful. And, and that is, I think, a great testament to the acting job this, this young actress did. So uh, hats off to her, spectacular job, and a speca- spectacular job to Hannah Bergholm, who was the director on this. And if I'm not mistaken, this is her uh, feature film directorial debut. I mean, she's done uh, short films, and she's done some TV, but, but this is her first uh, feature film directing, and... Wow, did she do a fantastic job with this story? I mean, just uh everything felt so bizarre and creepy and but it all felt very natural. Uh just the way shots were set up, uh the way she got the most out of these kid actors, especially uh the the actress who played Tinia. Uh, she just did a fantastic job with this. And I can't wait to see more out of Hannah Bergholm because uh, if the rest of her career is anything like hatching, uh, she's got a bright, bright future in feature films ahead of her. So this movie was definitely worth the wait. It was definitely spending a few bucks to rent it on Amazon Prime because, yeah, uh, you know that was, it would have been cheap at twice the price. I, 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 would have paid anything to see this because I was really looking forward to it, and it did not disappoint. It had everything that I was looking for from the trailer, and and maybe even a little bit more. I don't know. I, I mean, it had uh, it was a great body horror just great horror in general it had elements of a a psychological thriller in it it had a character you care about the the Tina character, well, uh, some of the other characters in this family didn't have many redeeming qualities. The Tina character uh, was a character that you you learn to care about and sympathize with and empathize with right off the bat, which really gets you invested in the story. And to see her going through the things she goes through uh, is just heartbreaking and terrifying. And like I said. Uh, the horror was fantastic. The psychological aspects of it were fantastic. The, the themes of it that didn't have anything to do with uh, horror in the theatrical sense, but the horrors of, of kids growing up was quite poignant and quite enjoyable. I, you know, I don't like being preached to in movies, but when you, can, when you can make a point and scare the shit out of me and, and give me some psychological thrills and a good story to boot... I think all the better. And then the fact that they didn't feel like they had to explain things. Uh, They just let the horror be the horror. Uh, That was, that was so enjoyable. So I encourage if you haven't watched this, you've got to watch hatching. Uh, If you have watched it, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Can't wait for more from Hannah Bergholm uh, because this was a, uh, she knocked this one out of the park. So thanks for listening to my thoughts on hatching. Check out odds bodkins curiosity shop on Facebook for everything. that's going on Uh night sky has hit Amazon prime and all, I believe all the episodes are out. So I'm going to, I'm going to mainline this and we're going to have this coming up on Thursday's show. We're going to talk about the, uh, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some aliens in this. Of course I thought that about, outer range but i'm pretty sure this might have some aliens in it uh but i'm gonna mainline some night sky from uh, amazon prime and uh, we're gonna talk about that coming up on thursday's show so i'll be looking for that and on our facebook fan page you can always check out uh, trailers from the latest series and movies coming out. I'm always, uh, finding articles from all over the internet about all the horror fantasy and sci-fi that we uh, love and are looking forward to. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, please, uh, leave a review five stars would be awesome, but subscribe to it, download it, share it with your friends and family and neighbors and everyone, you know, on social media, get the word out. The five-star review helps with the algorithms and you know all these platforms kind of giving us a little bit of promotion from within. And like I said, sharing uh, this podcast with anyone you know who loves horror fantasy and sci-fi is a huge help as well, getting the word out and spreading the word. So we thank you and until next time.